Now, a lot of attention has been drawn in recent months to microplastics in freshwater and marine environments, how they damage the environment, how they get into our tap water, uh, into our beer, into our sea salt, into just about anything. According to an analysis of tap water samples from 14 countries, 12 brands of beer brewed using water from the Great Lakes in the US and 12 brands of commercial sea salt were found to be problematic. Professor Mary Kosuth from Dunwoody Technical College in Minneapolis teaches environmental science and joins us on the line. Thank you for taking the time today. Yes, thanks for helping us get the story out. Well, you um, have certainly had a fair bit of coverage of this, uh, and there have been a number of related stories, as I mentioned before, but you analysed 159 samples of tap water from 14 countries. How did you do that exactly? Um, You mean how did we actually test it, or how did we come about getting the samples? Well, both, actually. Okay. Um, uh, So originally, I was only planning on uh, sampling beer, as you mentioned, and sea salt, because there were already some existing studies, a German study and a Chinese study that had looked, a German study looking at 24 brands of beer and a Chinese study that had looked at 15 brands of salt. And uh, so we kind of wanted to do another similar study here in the United States to see if this was just um, uh, a problem that might be just a, a local anomaly, you know, something unique to that region, or if this is a global problem. So we originally just wanted to look at beer and salt, and then through some work with Orb Media, which is an international media organization, they um, were interested in looking at global tap water. And so that, that component of the project just sort of uh, luckily fell into our laps. Um, you know, our, our interests seemed mutual and our timelines seemed like they could work out. So we ended up um, testing the, the, uh, the global uh, tap water samples that Orb had collected. Um, but they, they went around, they had all the international connections um, with government and non-government organizations. And so I actually didn't know where the samples were coming from when I was actually testing them. They arrived in my lab in a bottle with uh, a three-digit code on them and I just ran the samples, and it wasn't until I was finished with the very last one that I got a glimpse at the uh, spreadsheet that told me where all the samples were from. So as you said, there were 14 countries involved. There's been disturbing research in the past suggesting that there are these microplastics even in, like, bottled mineral water, for example. But then again, there have been some skeptics who've said, well, maybe those microplastics came from unscrewing a plastic top, for example. Uh, yes. When you look at tap water, it would appear to take that question out. But then again, if they're bottled then to bring the samples to you, how could you eliminate the possibility of plastic being introduced into the supply later? Yeah, that's a great question. We actually did end up using high-density polyethylene bottles to, to transport the, the water, which is a is a testament to uh, what a convenient product plastic is. I mean, it's lightweight, it's durable, it's cheap, um, it's easy to ship internationally. Um, but we ran a bottle blanks, and we also ran lab blanks to make sure that the, the, the um, plastic particles that I, I was finding in the samples were not from my clothing, wasn't from the lab, wasn't from the bottles themselves. So we had to um, use uh, blanks in order to confirm that the the plastic particles were actually coming from the products themselves. And so what were your findings for tap water, for beer, and for sea salt? Uh, And please be gentle on us, because uh, 
it would be hard to do without some of these, especially that middle one. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's amazing, actually, the response that I got um, for tap water as opposed to beer. Uh, locally, there's a lot more interest in the beer. Um, but, yeah, we found uh, of the 159 samples tested for tap water, 81% of them had um, some uh, anthropogenic debris, which is what we call it. And the majority of those were fibers. Um, and then for beer, um, all of the brands actually had uh, particles in them. Um, of course, different brands had different amounts. And we tested really large uh, brands that ship their products to other nations, and we checked um, some of the uh, beers were breweries were uh, rather small um, and local. Um, and then the sea salt, all of it I purchased here in Minneapolis, Minnesota, but it was all acquired, um, and rather, it was all sourced from all over the world. So, um, and that was, we found particles in all of those brands as well. And mostly fibers. Yes. And so does that, everything. Yeah. does fibers suggest coming from clothing being washed? Yeah, that would, uh, that would be a primary um, route of contamination. And uh, the way that it would get in, actually, is we suspect, although we don't know for sure, because this is still sort of a relatively new um, area of study, um, that it would be uh, atmospheric deposition. Because I actually tested the tap waters from the various uh, municipalities where the beer was brewed, and I did not find any correlation between the amount of particles in that local tap water and the beer. So um, it seems to suggest that there could be something in the beer-making process or maybe in the salt-drying process um, where the, the particles are finding their way in. But that, that's something that needs uh, further investigation. Yeah, that's an interesting distinction. Um, but what about these other things we often hear about? We're warned about microplastic beads, which can get in from cosmetic products, even from toothpaste. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, well, here in uh, the Great Lakes region, anyways, um, my research advisor, Dr. Sam Mason, she worked on a, uh, a paper where they trawled three of the five Great Lakes, and they found a, 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 an astonishing amount of plastic particles in their trawls. And their study led to the Microplastics-Free uh, Waters Act, where we have um, taken, you know, uh, we've made um, some efforts to eliminate the plastic particles that are in these sort of consumer products. I mean, I found a bottle of shampoo in my mom's, you know, shower that had this stuff. But we as consumers don't really know what's in everything that we're buying, so we might be contributing to this problem without even knowing about it. Um, but that's where, you know, governments can step in and help us to keep our local waters clean. Is there anything that we can do to check products when buying them to try to avoid contributing further to the problem? Oh, man, that's a good question, um, because uh, I don't know if the, uh, companies are legally required to list all of these um, materials in their products. Um, I have seen them in some, but like I said, here uh, in, in the Great Lakes region anyways, we, we don't, we shouldn't be on the shelf anymore as of July of this year. So, um, I mean, as consumers, I think the best thing that we can probably do is just eliminate the really low-hanging fruit, the stuff that we can, um, you know, pretty easily do without, like single-use plastic bags and straws and um, try and do our individual parts by um, not consuming, trying to reduce as much uh, single-use plastic as we can. And that's something that governments 
around the world are doing. In fact, here in South Korea, we've set the goal of reducing use of plastic bags by 35% by the year 2022, vowing to gradually yeah. uh, reduce the use of disposable cups and straws and completely ban them by 2027, which is the right That's direction. Terrific. But is it also depressingly slow or is it just necessary to have that kind of time frame in your experience? Yeah, I mean, there were countries... I used to live in China um, before the plastic bag ban went into effect there in 2008, and plastic bags were used everywhere. And and then, you know, they just kind of eliminated it. From my understanding, overnight, very quickly, they were able to, you know, um, uh, pass a law that says from now on you can't use these sort of um, materials anymore. And and so in some in some places, it can happen very quickly. Um, I would say that it's very frustrating here as a, an American citizen. We have some really progressive legislation in the state of California. But unfortunately, there are other states here in the United States, like Michigan, Idaho, Arizona, and Missouri, who have actually passed bans on plastic bag bans, if you can believe that. And mm. so that is very disheartening. It certainly is. And... It- a lot of the blame seems to go right to the top to President Trump's attitude towards environmental issues. Is he also the full guy here, ultimately? Or is this something that's just endemic within societies uh, in certain states? Oh, boy. Um, well, he certainly isn't helping anything. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, uh, what, we're, what we're talking about is the, the, the age-old conflict between... Um, you know, having uh, environmentalists saying that we need to have clean air, clean water, and we need to pass uh, laws in order to promote that and, and keep our, our uh, resources from being used up too quickly. And industrialists saying that, you know, we have to, we have to create jobs and support the economy. I am a hopeless optimist and feel that we don't actually have to make choices between those two things. I think that we can work together and actually find solutions to this problem. This problem in particular, I feel very optimistic about. Um, it's, it's not insurmountable. We can, we can do this uh, if we decide it's important enough. One way we might decide it's important enough is if we're worried about our health. And I, I don't want to encourage you to scare us, but do we have any idea what happens when we're consuming this level of plastic in our beer and our salt and our tap water and goodness knows where else? Well, I, I guess there you can probably rest easy for a while because this is still such a, a relatively new um, area of science that we, we only have um, some, some idea of how this could be affecting us. Uh, one, of course, is that um, there's more than a thousand different types of plastic. Some, of, of course, are more are, are common than others. But plastics will be um, uh, synthesized with things like, like um, colorants, UV stabilizers, phthalates, uh, or bisphenol A, so these chemicals that are sometimes not chemically bonded to the material, and so they have the potential to leach um, into the gut of an organism that that might uh, have swallowed uh, microplastic. Um, and then we also have pretty solid evidence that um, particles in uh, a marine environment, anyways, um, have the ability to adsorb uh, chemicals from the surrounding area, things like PCBs, uh, brominated flame retardants, maybe heavy metals, even pathogenic bacteria that's coming from wastewater, they seem to prefer, they they seem to like to coat the outside of these uh, tiny particles so that somebody who ingests it, um, whether it's human or otherwise, is going to get a higher dose of these chemicals. But a lot of the current research questions that are being entertained now have to do with nanoplastic particles because 
these particles have the ability to move out of our digestive system and through living tissue. And that is something we just don't have enough information on yet, but that's probably where a lot of the research is headed uh, at this time. Well, it doesn't sound very nice. No solid answers yet. Yeah, well, it doesn't sound nice at all, does it? Um, and, And it's hard to imagine that it wouldn't have some sort of impact. Yeah. Professor Kosuth, thank you very much for joining us today. Yes, thanks again for having me.